and welcome to this episode of the Cinepals. My name is Alan, and with me is I'm Greg. Uh, he's Greg. So uh, today we're going to be talking about the new Wes Anderson film, The, the Grand, Grand Budapest, Budapest Hotel. Hotel. Wow, we synchronized there. Yay! That's great. Um, yeah. So this is a this is a movie. We're going to talk about this, and we'll probably get into a lot of different tangents about yes. Wes Anderson's film. As, uh, as we do. Yeah, his, his various films and um, where you and I differ, mm, mm-hmm. where there is going to be a lot of that, actually, which oh. is going to be quite fun. Good. For me, all, anyway. Oh, good. Yes. <laughs> he likes to yell. Um, so, well, let's, uh, let's dive... get to that. <laughs> Let's uh, dive in to this film first of all. Um, and how about how about this? This is a really weird thing. So okay. um, you're pretty good at this. Give us the synopsis of the film <laughs> without giving away any spoilers because it's sure. a really oddball. It is. Movie. It is a strange movie. Um, essentially, it centers around the titular Grand Budapest Hotel, and uh, the bulk of the film is about the. Um, uh, kind of a, a specific uh, period of time during the hotel's uh, uh, life, where Ralph, uh, or sorry, Rafe finds. There you go. I just found out. Apparently, is how you pronounce it. Yep. Um, uh, but Ra- his brother's name is still pronounced Joseph. Not like not, not Jose. Like Jose. Jose. Yeah, or or Jose. Yeah. It's Joseph. Why? It's Joseph. Why? Why not just call yourself Ralph? Because his name is Rafe. God damn it. I think it's Welsh. It is Welsh. Yes! I looked it up. Nailed I was like, it. why is it pronounced that way? It's like, it's Welsh. I'm like, oh, that's the that's, only explanation? Okay. That's why. Sure. <laughs> anyway. They uh, have letters in their alphabet that aren't letters. That's right. So, there's that. Thanks a lot, Welshman. Um, so Sorry, this, I interrupted you. No, you continue. did. Uh, Rafe Finds is uh, the um, concierge, I guess. Yeah, he's the member of the Crossed Keys Society. Yes. But we'll get into that later. But he's the he's, so he's like the head valet in a sense, and uh, what a concierge he is! Yes, he's very good at his job, and uh, there's a lot of like layers to the film. You know, Jude Law is actually talking to someone who's relating this story of uh, F. Murray K- Abraham, Murray. and uh, it's yeah. good to see him getting some more roles. Yes, actually. I love him. I uh, I really liked his small appearance in Inside Lewin Davis, yeah. and I really liked him as the narrator in this movie. I did as well. Um, which is actually interesting because the movie is actually this is actually like a triple flashback. Well, yeah, that, and that's the thing. Like, the, the... but we'll, well, we can get into that right a little bit later. The main crux of the movie takes place during this a period of upheaval in uh, this particular country that is completely fictional. Yes, um, where the movie and the Grand Buda- Budapest Hotel itself are located. Um, so, uh, Ray Fiennes is somewhat of a womanizer, and he considers it just good manners to be so at the Grand Budapest Hotel. He beds older women, um, Frequently. a remarkably funny cameo by Tilda Swinton. That's right. Um, is... I did not recognize her at first. No? And I, I was like, that kind of looks like an old Tilda, Tilda Swinton. <laughs> So I was really smart. You know how I recognized her? <laughs> How's that? She looked exactly like she did in Benjamin Button. That's fair. Because yes. she gets Cause hella she old, old in that. Yeah. 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 I thought so. you were going to say she looked because she looked exactly like David Bowie. But anyway. Oh, she does look like David <laughs> Bowie in everything. Yes. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm going to look at the prestige so much differently now. <laughs> and Labyrinth. Oh, my God. Labyrinth, yeah. That's yeah. a great turn by Tilda Swinton. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so anyway... <clears throat> yes, no. This, uh, she ends up dying. Yeah, 
This is not spoiler territory because this is the first this five is minutes the of the movie. movie yeah. um, so she ends up dying and she leaves this very valuable painting to him. He is not well liked by the family, her family, mm-hmm. um, for pretty much obvious reasons that we first see. But he actually really did care for her. Yes. And it's not exactly what you would think. And mm-hmm. that whole thing leads into a series of hijinks. Wrongful, and misadventures. Yeah. That's a really great way to look at yeah. it. It's like a whole series of misadventures that gets dark. Yes. But really funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, is that an adequate synopsis? I think so. Yeah? Yeah. All right, good job, us. <laughs> um, Nailed it. Let's, uh, let's talk about our general, our general thoughts on the movie before we get into... Uh, too, too, uh, much too, much, too much talking about it. Yeah, yeah my uh, so uh, first off, uh, as if you listened to our last podcast, I briefly mentioned at the end when I chose this film, Greg is notoriously not a fan of Wes Anderson. However, I am a large fan of Wes Anderson. He makes some of my favorite films. Um, in my top five, uh, Life Aquatic, you'll see in there. Um, <laughs> Greg's shaking his head, but that's okay. Uh, so I was very excited for this movie, uh, not only because it is a Wes Anderson film. Uh, it looked very Wes Anderson-y, uh, which is a fun thing that people How use. How the hell can it not? <laughs> the man is incapable of not making a Wes Anderson movie. Bottle Rocket is his least Wes Anderson movie. Yeah, that's but it still is. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> like, all right. Um, but I also really like the big ensemble pieces that he does. Like uh, this? Like this one, yes. When, you know, there's a whole host of... Uh, repeat uh, collaborators and actors that are just just so so darn good at their jobs. Yes, and that paid off in spades in this movie for me. Um, as I said, Ray Fiennes is a delight throughout. Um, F. Murray Abraham, of course, is just his just narration is lovely. It's just got a great voice and a great uh, just it feels like he's smiling all the time. Yes, that's, and I just yeah. like it. Uh, <laughs> and. Um, yeah, lots of great cameos. Not not even cameos per se, but just like smaller roles by a lot of people. Um, Bill Murray and um, Fisher Bob Stevens Balaban. and Bob Balaban. Yeah, um, Hollywood heartthrob. Bob <laughs> Harvey Keitel. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Just just so just a whole bunch of really fun stuff to watch. And I thought the story was just wildly entertaining. It was just never never a dull moment. Um, again, a lot I think has to do with uh, this is really Ray Fine's movie. Um, he just nails this character in such a just charming way, and uh, you just can't take your eyes off him. And uh, I just love him for it. You're you're absolutely right about Ray Fiennes. <laughs> um, okay, so general thoughts for me is I loved this movie. Okay, I thought it was outstanding. <laughs> like Good. from the first reel to the end, I honestly don't really have anything bad to say about it. Yeah. Um, I don't think I they thought, use reels anymore. I thought everything. Th- yeah, thanks. Fine. <laughs> All right. Shut your mouth. Um, this movie was obviously filmed on film, though, <laughs> okay. as you can see because of the aspect ratio. That's right. Um, here's something interesting for you film geeks out there who know more than I do. Um, the aspect ratio. Wes Anderson is kind of a nut job. He is the. Um, that's it. That's the whole. No, no, that's, the whole that's not the whole thing. Um, he he is the closest thing. To uh, like a Stanley Kubrick style filmmaker that I've seen since Stanley Kubrick, hmm. um, his uh, his fascination with centering things mm-hmm. is it borders on a, on an obsessive compulsion, <laughs> and I actually think it is. Yeah, um, he, to, like and his um, his his fascination with symmetry mm-hmm. 
is mind-numbingly beautiful. Yes. Like, uh, Moonrise Kingdom is the first movie of his that I truly adored, um, because I felt it was the first movie of his that his sensibility and the story and the way that he makes movies all combines to make just the... It just meshes perfectly together <laughs> for me. And I have reasons for not liking his other movies, okay. which we can go into if you want. Um, <laughs> Maybe a brief tangent at the end. All right. Um, <laughs> so this movie does the same thing, only it gets darker than Moonrise Kingdom ever did. Hmm. Um, just by the nature of the fact that there's like roaming death squads and all that sort of thing. Um, and a murderous Willem Dafoe. Yeah, Willem <laughs> yes. Dafoe's in this movie. That's He's right. He's a cat killer. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's not a spoiler either. It's just really funny. <laughs> um, so, anyway, the aspect ratio. It, the, the movie that we went, like, the, the, the theater we went and saw is like your standard widescreen theater. Um, we watched all of the trailers, and they were in your standard letterbo- letterbox widescreen. But yes. when the movie is presented, it is in perfect... Square four by three yeah four, four by whatever. four by three <clears throat> widescreen is not wide sorry, sorry, four full by screen three, full screen traditionally what in the past they would when transferring movies to uh, video yeah would, this is... would uh, change the aspect ratio to full screen because TVs weren't built for widescreen yeah you're absolutely right um, and this is how it's presented why because you get better symmetry <laughs> that way you can center things and yeah. they're more obviously centered that mm-hmm, way. Mm-hmm. And Wes Anderson's technique is gone to another level with this. Yeah. His um, sense of animation that was so playful in Fantastic Mixer, Mr. Fox mm-hmm. makes another appearance here mm-hmm. um, with the little models that he uses, with the skiing sequence. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a few... There's just passing uh, animated sequences here. Everything's on sound stages, and I think Wes Anderson is going to make a transition to... Everything being on sound stages um, from now on. Why? Because you can control everything on sound stages. And yeah. I think Wes Anderson is a control freak the same way Kubrick is, which is why he filmed everything on sound stages, including Full Metal Jacket. He filmed that movie really? on sound stages in London. Wow. And <laughs> it's a that. Vietnamese war yeah, movie. And one of the crazy. best ones. Yeah. Of course, they went out outdoors in some cases. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, but it was all in London because right, he right. could control that area much <laughs> better. Interesting. Yeah, and I think Wes Anderson <clears throat> is getting a little xenophobic. And obviously, I can't. Which remember... Which is okay with me because yeah. he works with it, and it works so well with his movie. I can't remember, but it doesn't ever like start as widescreen and then transition or anything. It's nope. all full screen. It right? just goes boom, full screen. Cuz that's that's kind of a not, I don't want to say gimmick's the wrong word, but a thing that I've seen in some movies lately where the aspect ratio changes. Uh, Hunger Games Catching Fire did. It. I liked that. Yeah. I liked that a lot. Yeah. That, I that saw really the cool. I saw the I haven't seen it on DVD or Blu-ray, but I saw the clip where it does that. Yeah. When she goes up into the arena, into the games, that's yeah. so perfect. It's so cool. It's so perfect. Yeah. If you guys haven't seen this clip, it is so neat. Just look it up on YouTube. I think it's still up. It's just a one-minute shot of Katniss in the like ascending into the yeah, into the games. That's a good word. Ascending. Thank you. Nice. And <laughs> uh, Lenny Kravitz is getting the shit kicked out of yes, him. Spoilers. And getting taken away. Spoilers. And because uh, he's gonna die. Spoilers. And uh, she goes up <laughs> through the tube, and as she's going up, the aspect ratio changes from like the letterbox and it goes into the full screen because that entire sequence was filmed in IMAX. Yes. 
Which is awesome. Which is cool. Because yeah. IMAX is hard to <laughs> film in. That's I guess right. this turned into a little bit of a technical <laughs> talk, too. Tech talk. Another one that it happens in is the, the Wizard of Oz sequel. The Great and Powerful. Oh, that's dumb. Fuck. Yeah. Oh, that's dumb. The really bad one. But, that's stupid. But, Let's not but talk it about it. It changes into widescreen once he uh, once he emerges into Oz, and then oh the, oh yeah, it just it, it, it just it, yeah it just grows. It was full screen in the black and yes. white sequence, and then yeah. it goes open, and it doesn't do anything to earn that. No. So it's, it's stupid. It, it looks really cool. Yeah, it's a smart which, idea. Which is basically my thoughts about the entire film is it looks really cool. I don't even think That's it looks it. really cool because, like, it's a Sam Raimi movie, and mm. Sam Raimi should make even cooler-looking movies than that. Yeah, it's fair. It's a little too. He has one Sam Raimi moment in the entire movie with, where the camera like goes crazy and zooms oh, yeah. in on people, yeah. and it's like, what is this? Anyway, we're not talking about Sam how shitty, at, yeah. great, and powerful Oz is. We're talking about <laughs> how good the Grand Budapest Hotel That's is. That's right. Um, so. I think we should venture into some spoiler territory Let's here. Let's spoil this movie. So from here on out, there is going to be some spoilers. And I guess I want to just talk a little bit about Ray Fiennes again. Great. Let's how, do that. How awesome he is. <laughs> um, Darling. One of the problems I have with, uh, with, with a lot of Wes Anderson stuff um, prior to Moonrise Kingdom mm-hmm. is um, <clears throat> his quirkiness. <laughs> He's just a quirky guy. Uh-huh. He's real indie and quirky. And <laughs> sure. aren't I so different and quirky? Where I put Gwyneth Paltrow in goth makeup and Ben Stiller in a running suit. Oh, I'm so quirky. I didn't like the Royal Tonnenbaum. I can tell. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> the problem with a lot of his uh, quirk is that his characters never are above that. Hmm. I find um, they're just they're. They're just quirkiness and weirdness. Um, but in I feel in Grand Budapest... Now, you might feel different. Mm-hmm. You, a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. A lot of people feel absolutely the opposite way. Yeah. That amidst the quirkiness, there's very deep levels. I never got to that. It was never present for me. I didn't like Royal Tonnen Bombs. I didn't like Bottle Rocket. I didn't like Darjeeling Limited. Um, Life Aquatic. I liked it. Okay. <laughs> that actually... Is the exception that proves the rule? Okay, because it is so quirky. <laughs> it's... Well, let me just I, let me just. Counter, I'll tell you I, why okay. I like the Life Aquatic. I like the Life Aquatic for two words: Bill Murray. That guy is awesome. Yes, he's so funny in that movie. Yep. And I like the Steve Zissou like Rangers or whatever yeah. they were, or like they Team, were Team Zissou. Team Zissou, and uh, they wore the red caps and the blue wetsuits, yep. and they carried guns. <laughs> It was great. This <laughs> um, is so random. <laughs> I just want to—I just want to say, like, I—I—I I, I totally get what you mean about the kind of quirkiness being the uh, overwhelming factor of it in his movies, and uh, it's hard to get at the heart because of that. Um, and I mostly agree. However, I don't mind it. Is the thing I don't mind that. Just like uh, with something like Royal Tenenbaums, I—I uh, I mean. All this being said, I think there's some really great, heartfelt moments in this movie. But uh, but I can see why it's hard to kind of get uh, an emotional connection to these characters because they're just kind of being weird and inhuman. Um, and that's kind of the case with uh, Ray Fine's character in this movie as well. I find that 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 his character is that way, but the actor mm-hmm. 
makes it not that way. Okay. The actor, yeah. it lets you in. Right. Ray Fiennes as an actor actually lets you into this character. Mm-hmm. Um, you see... You see some of the humanity in him. A lot of the time, you absolutely see the humanity in him in the train scenes mm-hmm. where he's um, standing up for yeah, the for young zero. for zero, the young valet. Yeah. Um, and it's it's he's heartbreaking sometimes. And when he's apologizing to to zero, he truly means it. He yeah. truly feels like he's ashamed himself. Mm-hmm. And um, I think he, I think it's the most real character that I've seen in a Wes Anderson movie next to the two young people in Moonrise, Moonrise Kingdom. Kingdom. Yeah. And I think I think that's that's a, a key thing with his movies is <clears throat> with this movie you have Ray Fiennes as more or less the central character and so we, we, we get to know him a lot more than we get to know any of the other characters. Yes. Um, you look at something like Tenenbaums and it's just you get just little snippets of each character and yeah. you don't really get to the, to the full heart of them and I think that's the biggest issue that you might have with it's uh, that's not that's not it though that's not the whole thing that's not the whole story that's part of it okay the whole story is i never really enjoyed how um his movies lose a sense of tone and you never see that coming Hmm. because the way he makes his movies is so quirky and so off the mark and sort of charming Mm -hmm. that you don't see the darkness coming Mm -hmm. which every one of his movies has yes like every one of his movies has a, some sort of tragedy, some sort of darkness in them, some sort of um, just huge loss. Yeah. Um, I mean, Grand Budapest has murder in it, straight mm-hmm. up murder, um, and you never see that coming. Right. In any of the movies, just because of the way it's 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 made, and I don't think that's exactly fair. Okay. Um, because. Yeah, there's something to be said for um, being original and being coming out of left field with things, and that's that's all well and good. But I don't think it's fair to um, have an audience follow you in what is essentially mostly a comedy until the tragedy happens, hmm. right? Um, See, and I disagree. I think I think that makes it all the more powerful. Like you look at a scene in Tenenbaums where Richie Cunningham goes to kill himself. And it's, like you said, it's it's kind of out of nowhere and you don't expect it. And that makes it really powerful for me. Uh, I mean, it helps that it's got, you know, one of my favorite songs playing over it. But um, it's uh, it's just, it's, it's a huge moment in that movie that, that I, uh, you know, it's it's not telegraphed. It's not, you know, this kid, this kid's really sad and he's probably going to kill himself later. It's, you know, he's, he's quiet and he's, you know, got these issues, these family issues and all that. And then all of a sudden just like, boom, this is happening. But do you see how like from an audience perspective, it would be, it's hard for someone to accept that it would seem where that would seem kind of out of character, kind of out of place in this movie that you came to watch. I understand that. Yes. Wes Anderson is in in that category of directors and writers where he can he doesn't have to make an action movie he doesn't have <laughs> to make a comedy and he doesn't have to uh, make a science fiction movie and adhere to um, archetypal story structure right he doesn't have to do that um, but I feel he just needs to help us out a little bit more see where he's coming from at least for me sure like Let me I ask can't you. I can never say any of his movies are bad. I can just say that I don't prefer them. <laughs> you didn't enjoy them. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like even, would you... even Royal Tannenbaums, which I think is the one of the most annoying movies I've ever seen, mm-hmm. I can't actually say it's bad. It's not a bad movie. Yeah. 
I just don't find it fun. I don't find it entertaining. I don't... I would recommend it to a lot of people, though. (laughs) That's the thing. That's the problem with me. Hmm. Like, I admire Wes Anderson so much, and Fantastic Mr. Fox is where everything changed for me. Right. Because I always thought he should be making animated movies in the first place. I don't know. I guess I I, kind of want to ask you, like... (laughs) If if you went to see, let's just uh, you know go in hypothetical mode here, went to see a really shitty rom com a la Valentine's Day. Good choice. Yeah, and you know halfway through the movie, there's some big dark, uh, like maybe someone like starts beating his girlfriend or something, or you know some big big thing that's like actually a social issue that like should be talked about. If that happened and it like really like pissed off a bunch of people who just wanted to see a fun rom com, is that a bad thing for the the artist to do? Like, is that something? Like, do you have to uh, tell everyone, "Hey, you're coming to see this movie. It's a comedy. You're gonna laugh the whole time. It's gonna be fun. Don't worry about it." And that's what they need to have. Or can you say, "Hey, I'm making this movie. It's about this family. They're a little messed up. It's got some funny stuff in it. But uh, but if there's something dark in it, you can't fault me for it." No, do you know I what I'm trying to say? I don't think it's a bad thing. <laughs> Okay. I don't think it's a bad thing. I just think it's not my thing. Okay. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. No. Right. And that's the problem that I've had with um, like talking to you, a lot of our friends about yeah. it. People act like they think that I am coming from a place where I actually hate Wes Anderson <laughs> movies. I don't. I don't at all. Yeah. Um, like I think the Darjeeling Limited has three of the funniest things. In move like in in a movie that I've Check seen. Check out these assholes. Um, we'll get to that. Um, <laughs> That's my favorite. Part. The uh, the the character switch at the beginning from Bill Murray to Adrian Brody uh-huh. is hilarious. Um, the uh, we started out on a spiritual journey that didn't quite pan out. I think is really funny. Uh-huh. Um, and check out these assholes. <laughs> um, now that goes. To the um, that, that's an ex- that's a perfect example of the um, hilarious meeting the tragic like right away yeah. right away and that's what he does and I, you know <clears throat> with all of his movies when you look at them for the most part it's always just very like boom something bad something sad's happening something also. something bad is happening um, <clears throat> but it's like oh man I, it's just the way he cuts it and that kind of thing is just very like quick and and kind of takes you off guard and yeah. I don't know I really like it but I can see why why maybe it's that, not for that's, everyone that, that scene works like I don't think that scene works for me I just love that line well yeah that I yeah <laughs> just, I don't know why but it's really funny to me like, like and it why actually why would you say that There's it actually gets people you don't know yeah <laughs> check out these assholes check out these assholes and then they fall in <laughs> they fall that's in actually them. the like if that was just 30 seconds that would be a funny sketch yeah right there like, yeah, like yeah. and then they're dead, and it's like, oh, no! Oh, but whoops. instead we have, like, this whole thing yeah. at the end, and it's like... Right. Like, how... You can't say that I don't like the guy, because I've seen almost every one of his movies, right? <laughs> and I will continue to watch his movies, because I think he is um, one of the most exciting directors to watch, because he's maturing before yeah. our very eyes. Yeah. Um, Fantastic Mr. Fox was a great example, because he embraces this medium that his movies already look like. Yeah. Um, well, and you can even see that with Moonrise Kingdom, how he took the I stuff th- he learned in Fantastic Mr. Yeah, Fox. Yeah, I think Moonrise like, Kingdom looks more animated than yeah. Fantastic Mr. Fox, actually. Yeah, totally. Um, 
And, and th- even this one too, I think Grand Budapest is very. It's got a lot of that, like you said, the skiing sequence, and uh, a lot of those moments are very animated. They feel very animated, and yeah, I think it works really well. I think Moonrise is his best movie. Sorry, is his best script. Hmm. But Grand Budapest is his best movie. Okay. Right now. Yeah. That might change. Yeah. I might need to see <laughs> Moonrise again. Um, but I really do love the story in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Grand Budapest. It's a movie. It's a good movie. It's a, movie it's a good movie with people. Um, can we talk about how great Jeff Goldblum was? Yes. I haven't seen him in a movie for so long. Right. And he comes in and I, he's perfect in a Wes Anderson role. Yeah. He should be in all of Wes Anderson's movies from now on. He was in Life Aquatic. Was he? Yeah. Oh, he was. He yeah. totally was. Yeah. Um, I, I just I just loved how precise mm-hmm. he was with his movements, and I'm like, yeah. are you playing a character, Jeff Goldblum? <laughs> and he was. Did he just throw my cat out the window? <laughs> and then he just carries this cat carries around, this cat. dead cat, until finally he finds a garbage to throw yeah. yeah, I That's didn't so expect him to die. No. I really didn't. I didn't either. Um, I didn't expect it to get how like as dire and high stakes as it got. Well, not only did he die, but he got his fingers chopped off right before he died. Yeah. Which was... I think that's the most violence we've ever seen on screen in a Wes Anderson movie. Well, probably. (laughs) There's a lot of violence off screen. And even that, you know, he gets killed off screen. But, like, just the the visual of seeing his fingers getting chopped in the door... Yeah. ...is very... very, Was very unexpected. Yeah. Isn't there a big shootout in Steve Zissou? Uh, Yeah, but, again, it's it's a lot of off screen. Not a lot of... Yeah, that I can remember anyway. Maybe it's maybe it's been been a while, but like no real real direct violence on screen. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> um, the uh, the what was the crossed keys? Uh, oh, that called? society of yeah. society of society of the crossed keys. I loved it. Yeah. It was so funny. I liked how the uh, how the movie was presented in parts. Yes, that was that was very nice. Tarantino. Uh, yeah, it was. Um, <laughs> only the parts weren't as disconnected as Tarantino's right. parts. Yeah, um, which is something that I think uh, is such a huge strong suit that Tarantino has, mm. and is one thing that I was really actually missing from Django Unchained. Oh yeah, um, is his Chapters. is his chapter breaks and all yeah. that fun yeah. stuff, and is like it's it's a very like novel approach to movies. Uh-huh. Um, but I think the I think honestly like the best one. He's like the the best way he does it is in um, *Inglorious Bastards* <laughs> uh, because the parts are so disconnected yeah. for so long, and then they're just like, oh, everything is really like everything is all together. Like yeah. that wouldn't work for this movie. No, um, but I I appreciate the I appreciate the the quilted patterns. On yeah, the, the kind of the, uh, the quirkiness to it really when you think about it. <laughs> Uh, did I just make you hate this movie? <laughs> you didn't help. <laughs> Whoops. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, it, it's, I, uh... it's it's it's. I shouldn't get I shouldn't get upset about it because the man is just making movies the way he envisions them, mm-hmm. and that is so important. Yeah. And every single Wes Henderson movie is incredibly personal. You can just tell. Well, that's the great thing about, you know, directors like Wes Anderson or Tarantino, you know, when you can talk about, like, this is their style. Yeah. And it just makes, you know, you, you can't say, like, uh, Robert Zemeckis has a style, you know, like, 
I mean, you probably could, but it's harder not as, to not see. As easy. Yeah. It's a lot harder to see. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, like these dime a dozen directors who are just like trudging out Hollywood garbage. There's a reason why people get excited for a new Wes Anderson movie versus getting excited for a new John Favreau movie. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Justin Lin. New, yeah. Oh, who's that? He directed three of the Fast and Furious movies. Oh God. Tokyo Drift? Yep. Uh, Tokyo Drift and I think every single one up until the sixth <laughs> one. Good. I want to say. So he directed the good oh, ones too. Oh, good. Wait, uh, anyway, we won't get so, into the Fast and Furious franchise. That's good. <clears throat> um, <laughs> that's that's another day. Yeah. A but, whole uh, day. Well, what, do you, what do we say, uh, talk about some standout scenes? All right. Or do we have anything else we want to talk about in general? Um... The framing device, perhaps? What did you think of the framing device? Uh, I thought it was a little too layered. Yeah, I didn't think it was super necessary. I didn't really understand who Tom Wilkinson was for a long time. It was the, until the end. It was too long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got that I at didn't the very beginning. I did not. Their narration switches right in the middle of a sentence. I was like, I was under the impression it was two different people talking about the hotel. Whatever. Sorry, I'm not as smart as you. So I'm base. I'm the average moviegoer right. in this case, maybe. All right, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's talk about some standout scenes. Sure. You go first. Me first. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to call out the jailbreak scene. Yeah. Because I thought it was beautiful and and a lot of fun and just really silly and just. <laughs> <laughs> when the guy like whips out his knife and jumps down to fight those guys, oh, so it's just so funny. Great. Just, yeah. They open the thing. They see all these guards like playing poker or whatever. Yeah. And you know it's not something they were expecting, so they kind of look at each other, and the one guy just well pulls out his knife, jumps down, and you just hear, <laughs> and they look down, and he's lying there, and they're all dead. And for a minute, you think he's gonna make it. Yeah. 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 And then and then he doesn't. He doesn't. Oh well. Sorry. That's all right. As long as Gustav makes it out. Yeah. Um, I uh, I really enjoyed the um, the shootout in the Grand oh, in the, at the at the very end. Yeah. Because uh, no one was hitting anything, and no one knew who they were shooting at. Well, yeah, it was great. They were was, all in the same army. It was just, it was right? just a, our army was staying there, and yeah. then someone shot. Uh, Adrian Brody shoots or whatever. Yeah. So then the guy comes out and he's like, hey, he's shooting at me. He starts shooting back. Yeah. And then everyone else is just like, ah, fuck it, we're going to shoot too. And then Edward Norton comes out, everybody stop shooting. <laughs> Who are we shooting at? And then they start shooting again. <laughs> uh, yeah. That and um, Ray Fine saying, she's dead and you think I did it. And then he runs oh, yeah. away. <laughs> he runs. Oh, that was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> like there's hardly a beat. It's so funny. He's already <laughs> decided to do it. As soon He's as like he opens at the mouth. stairs by the time Edward Norton and them realize, wait a minute, we <laughs> need to chase him. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like, there's, oh, there's so much going on there and it's, yeah. uh, it's really great. Um, yeah. That was just my standout and a little one. Yeah. So. Standout and your sit down. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so. Here it is. You can do a rating first? Our rating. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what is our rating? 
my rating, rating. My rating. <laughs> I don't do that. I know you don't do it because you're so above it. Um, <laughs> I, just I don't believe think, films can be rated. I just think it's not it's like it's the basis. Of us I, it's not like it's the basis of film criticism. Put our thoughts on a numeric <laughs> scale. I think it's, but it's small such, and such an easier petty. way to visually see how people feel about a film. Go for it. It's not a paragraph. Just, it's a just do number. it. Just, just a do it. Just go. <laughs> What's your uh, Grand Budapest Hotel? Nine out of ten. Where did the what? What was it doing for the other one? <laughs> Why did that not work for you? You always ask this. I do because I like to know. <laughs> you don't understand that it's very hard to get a ten out of ten. I I know, but. Um, the framing device I thought was weak. Uh-huh. Um, uh huh. There was a lot of basically, again, in that framing device, like the characters of um, Tom Wilkinson and uh, Jude Law and F. Murray Abraham that I would have liked to see more of. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I wanted Gustav's story, so I was, you know, I was cool with them not having a lot of stuff. But then why have it? Uh, yeah. I think if anything, just the Jude Law talking to F. Murray Abraham and F. Murray Abraham telling the story would have been fine. He didn't need Jude Law writing his memoirs as Tom Wilkinson. Yeah. And then little girl reading the memoirs at the statue or whatever the fuck. Yeah, I, that was... Yeah. It I just got a little too layered, I thought. But. See? That's a good reason. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> but you don't... But it's just the way you say it. Like, what's it doing for the other one? I don't, what are you doing? Is that your Bill that? Cosby? That's a terrible Bill Cosby. You sound like Bill Cosby, Greg. I don't want to tell you, but the cows has to poop uh, eventually. But uh, it's the pudding pop. All right, uh, okay. that's enough. Um, Jesus, uh, really good impressions. See this movie. Okay. Okay. See, that's a lot easier, right? Uh, yeah, it's a lot more boring. See this movie if you're a big Wes Anderson fan. If you're not, um, I think you'll like it if you give it a shot. Um, it is very good. You'll probably be a little... If, you're, if you haven't seen Wes Anderson movies before, you go into this movie blind, you'll probably be a little taken aback by the way it's filmed. <laughs> um, but after a little while... You'll either accept it or you won't. And if you do accept it, which I believe the majority of people would, because it's not that yeah. uh, shocking. Um, as soon as you do accept it, it's like, oh, this actually serves the story quite well. And uh, I forgot about it after one, one minute. <laughs> Done. There you go. Yeah. And would, uh, you, would you say this movie is grand? Okay, you can email us your suggestions <laughs> for bonus episodes at thecinepals at gmail.com. Is that a yes? We are still taking suggestions, and we would love to hear from you guys if there is a movie or TV show or particular pop cultural topic you want us to talk about. That email again is thecinepals at gmail.com. We are actually going to be recording a bonus episode right after this one, so there will be another bonus episode this week. So. Would you say this movie was Buddha best? Holy shit, you don't know when to stop. Just stop. Let's end the podcast. No, we need to find out what we're doing next week, Greg. Oh, right. You need to tell us. Sorry, I uh, I almost forgot about my favorite part. Yeah. 
we are going to be talking about Captain America, the, the Winter, Winter Soldier, Soldier, and why on earth it's getting reviews that rival the Dark Knight. Wow. Yeah. We'll see if those are um, legitimate, if it merits those. Maybe it's because it's the Winter Soldier. If it was like the Summer Soldier, it'd be like a lot more happy. It would be the Summer Solstice. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. It's no, still a soldier. It does. <laughs> the dark night, the winter, like it's very like negative. Oh yeah, it's all. Know? It's gotta be negative. It's Nothing's dark, happy darkness, in comic books. Darkness and winter, except those episodes. Sorry, those uh, those issues of DC Comics where Batman and Superman played badminton. What? Yeah, seriously. Is that a thing that exists? Yeah, it was in the 1950s after the um, the the decency hearings. Oh. Yeah. Do they just play for the whole issue? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Robin is his second. <laughs> I feel like you're making this shit I'm up. I'm not. You could look it up. It's a thing. I don't like it. I don't either. Do they at least like talk about philosophies while they play? No, they or play. Or they just go like, like seven love. Yeah. <laughs> and Super- Superman wins. Superman, right? well, he hits the bird so hard it goes through Batman's racket. <laughs> which makes you think, why wouldn't it go through, why would the bird go, go through, through his racket? racket? Well, Superman probably built that racket out of Yeah, and he's probably, everything. Red kryptonite or The something. rule of Superman is he can do anything except the things he hasn't tried yet. <laughs> Right. So as soon as he tries as as he something, tries, he, he can, can do, do it. it. Yeah. Superman. He's yeah. not, not, not regular Joe, man. <laughs> All I can do is fly and I'm vulnerable Superman. to everything. Anyway. All right. That's, well, that's tune about. in next time when we talk about the Winter Soldier. And, I don't uh, have to say it with such disdain. I, I wasn't trying to. Captain America, the Winter Soldier. The Winter Soldier. Ugh. <laughs> Fuck. It's the right. worst. And again, email us at thecinepals at gmail.com for suggestions for bonus episodes because we would like to continue to do bonus episodes and uh, we'd like to see lots of suggestions. We've got a couple so far. Um, and stay tuned for this week's bonus episode, which uh, I'm not going to tell you what it is. It's very special. It's, it is very special. Nine years in the making, so I'm not sorry. It's not. All right. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. See you later.